Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is author Haley Piper. She's the author of titles such as the Bram Stoker Award-winning Queen of Teeth, Your Mind is a Terrible Thing, and No Gods for Drowning. Welcome to the show! Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. We're really excited, and I love I love your pick. We'll get into that a little bit later, but your pick is... I was like, yes! <laughs> so, um, okay, I am about... I would say 70% through No Gods for Drowning. I was hoping to get it finished before the the recording today, but I couldn't. But it's, I'm really, really enjoying it. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Sure. That's the most difficult one to tell people about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, uh, it's about a woman trying to, uh, the, the gods usually have been protecting mankind in this world for thousands of years and suddenly they're gone. Woman who's the daughter of a god is trying to get one back, and the best way to do that is offer blood sacrifices. So it's kind of a mix of her trying to bring her mother back so that she can protect people, and detectives trying to figure out who's murdering people ritualistically all over the city, and um, and the woman's lover who is she she is trying to pr- just protect the city herself um as like a flood fighter against these monsters from the sea Hell yeah. yeah it's it's um there, there's a there's a lot going on in this it's, book it's a fantasy it's crime it's horror so it's it's busy well that's what kind of drew me to it initially was that there's a little bit of like eldritchness going on to this like cosmic horror there's um fantasy there's almost like a noir detective story going on here yeah. there's like a lot of subgenres at play. Is that is that what kind of draws you to um, to literature? Is multiple genres, or is this is this something you're trying new? It's. I mean, I I read broadly. Um, okay. I think that's a good thing to do for me, at least. Um, and I kind of just I don't think about genre while I'm writing the story. Like usually, it's going to lean in a horror direction, but like that's. I mean, genre is kind of a marketing problem. 
um, in the end, which is why this ends up being on like different shelves, depending on the bookstore you go into. (laughs) Didn't you tweet about that yesterday or something? You were like, I've seen my book in multiple sections of Barnes and Noble. Yeah, it's it's been in the horror section. It's been the thriller section. And with mystery, it's been and now yesterday I walked into one and it was in the fantasy section, which that's fine. Um, Yeah, like, I mean, that's that's the kind of book it is. But I mean, that's what I love about it is that it's it it pulls in everything that I love. I'm a huge fantasy <laughs> fan. Uh, there's like uh, one of my favorite video games is Bloodborne, and this was giving me a Bloodborne. lot of like oh, Bloodborne's so good. This is giving me <laughs> like Yarnum vibes to it in some ways, like just the way it was it was it's described. It's like this is uh, this is doing everything for me. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you like Bloodborne. Bloodborne is fantastic. Oh my god, Bloodborne's one of my favorites. It's mine too. I've spent so many hours playing through that game. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then I also wanted to touch on Queen of Teeth because that's my like that's one of my favorites, and I wanted to hear more. Well, one about tell our like listeners about what it is, and then I wanted to hear more <laughs> about the inspiration for Queen of Teeth. That one's easier to talk about because it's very straightforward. Um, although, I mean, it is, it's a, it's also a genre blend. It's horror, it's sci-fi, it's romance. Um, but it's about a woman who, after a one night stand, discovers she has, uh, teeth in her vagina. And, um, that escalates into discovering it might have something to do with this, uh, secret government, ex- or not government, uh, secret, uh, corporate experiment. And they're hunting her down as she's because, uh, this incident years ago means that certain people are half company property and the teeth themselves are just one part of what's happening to her as it grows tentacles and a mind of its own. And um, also the, one of the people hunting her is the woman that she's, she's uh, starting to kind of get into a relationship with. And the woman is also getting into a relationship with the monster that's coming out of her. So yeah, it's it's wow. a busy book too. <laughs> Hell fucking yeah. I wanted to hear more about where like kind of the idea came from because I am obsessed. Okay, I, I saw the movie Teeth as a child <laughs> about Vagina Dentata and so I've kind of had a fascination with Vagina Dentata and then seeing that you wrote about it, I was like, oh my god, finally, like there's not a lot of things out there about te- like tooth vagina so i was super excited (laughs) yes i know a weird thing to be like interested in but here i am um Um, i mean the the weirdly the concept was the concept was a little broader in some ways in the sense that originally it was going to be multiple people who had vagina dentata and it was almost kind of a normal thing at that point for like oh yeah there's some people who have that and the and the main character was someone else too, and and Yaya was kind of a minor character, but mm. then as I was writing it, I was like, Yaya is way more interesting than the main character I'm working with. I want to write a book about her, and then that kind of just started shaping the world a little bit more, where it was like she's she's the first one who's got this condition, and and um, once that started happening with all like the sci-fi stuff and the bigger monster stuff and it turning into a love story, I was like, I just, I just want to go where no vagina dentata story has gone before. Um, and by that. the end of it, I think that I accomplished that. I would agree. 100%. Well, and I, I wanted that. to hear more like because you, you, you know, you've said that there's, a, there's always a lot going on in your books and how do you kind of go about starting with world building with your books? And like, do you have like a process or kind of a, a way of thinking into starting to build the worlds in these narratives? Um, usually the way it goes 
and this is not every single time, but most of the time, um, it's that the story dictates the world first. Okay. And then whatever I'm working with from the world at that point ends up bouncing back and reflecting on the story. And so they kind of have to ping pong what's going on uh... back and forth, influencing each other. And then by the end of it, hopefully it's all cohesive. Um, so like, I knew I wanted, like, for example, I knew I wanted there to be this, like, you know, big pharma, like, antagonist situation. Um, but I didn't know that it was like a parallel present where, like, you know, that's one of those things that came out in the writing. It was like, oh, I think Nancy Reagan was president after Ronald Reagan. And then that's where the, the, it splits from the real world a little bit. Or, and then you get into fun little things like, you know, that once you do that, you can kind of change more. It's like, oh, well, in this world, then the cops have tanks. And then it was kind of just like, well, that ends up influencing the story because then Yaya has to deal with that when she's being pursued. Yeah. It just go- goes back and forth. But but then also, like, there's things that are similar to our world. Like, she's, like, obsessed with Looney Tunes or, um, you know, just, like, it's still Newark, New Jersey, even though it's changed. So, yeah. Yeah, it just, it, that's kind of how it goes about. It's like, you, you know, something's going to come first. It's going to affect this thing. That's going to affect the original thing. It just goes back and forth until hopefully it all works out in the end. <laughs> um, so, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. So, I wanted to say one thing. I am listening to the audiobook of No Gods for Drowning, and Jody Harris is the narrator, and she's doing such a fantastic job with this book. I love her. She is she's so fantastic. good with this. It's a lot of, it was, I think she, all of my narrators have been amazing. I think she had the most work to do though, because she's juggling like three or four accents in some <laughs> scenes. She's having to pronounce all these funky God names and <laughs> yeah. cities and stuff. Um, like we did, we actually went back and forth uh, with pronunciation and stuff. Um, and I was like, anything I didn't cover, just, just do your best. Cause like, there's so many, there's so many things in there. Um, and then just like having to hit the emotional notes of like four, like many POV characters actually, cause mm-hmm. there's three main POVs, but then there's a bunch of little POVs throughout. Yep. Um, and you've got bits, you got bits where the, 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 um, the tense gets weird because of certain, like you said, eldritch things are happening. Um, there's even a song at one point and she Yes, I was like she sings. Yeah, she she sent me the M, an MP3 and I was like is this what you were thinking of like for the tune and I emailed back I was like that is exactly how it sounded in my head. That was amazing. So when cool. she started singing I was like holy crap. Yeah, <laughs> Just she's like... fantastic. She's so she's so talented. She's so talented. Yeah, I I loved it. But so like I'm I think I'm about four hours left in the in the book because it's a it's a longer one it is um, it's my longest book so i don't i don't know exactly how it ends and i don't want it to be spoiled at all no. but i am curious is <laughs> this is you've this got like some more twists ahead <laughs> i know i know I'm not, every single time when when specific characters die or something i'm like oh, no i can't believe that just happened but i'm so it's really it's really working for me but i am curious this i really enjoy this world is this is this like the first book or will, will we have more in this world is there um so it's that's a complicated question yes okay. we're going to be going back to the world i don't know if there will be like i don't know if this is more like a first in a series so much as like the introduction to a world and then okay. there'll be other stories kind of exploring that world like there's a 
I'm gonna have, I have a short story coming out this year, but it ha- the anthology hasn't been announced yet, so I can't say it. Um, but that, that story takes place during the Holy War, um, okay. earlier in this world. And then I'm working on a novella that also takes place in this world, but like there is, I have a sequel in mind, but that's not really like the next thing on the, you know, I have to kind of write what I feel like writing. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm not ready to write that yet. Um, But yes, I am planning to do more stories and more books set in this world. Cool. Cause I really enjoy this world. And like I said, I don't know if this is like a self-contained story or not, but I want to know more about this world. So that's exciting. I want to try to make each thing self-contained in its way, like that you could, this could be your first Mm -hmm. uh, experience with, with age and such. And, and, um, and that that's enough. Like that's like that you can, you can just get a feel for it from that, even if it doesn't cover everything. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, so Haley, I wanted to hear more about also like how you got started as a writer. Have you always loved writing or like what was kind of how your relationship to writing growing up? Um, let's see. I mean, I always liked telling stories. I think I started Mm -hmm. writing like my, like I, I, and like people would write stuff down for like people who could write faster adults. Um, I, I started writing very simply though. Like when I was eight, I, I want, I love Jurassic Park. So I wrote Cretaceous Park, which was like, it was like, <laughs> how long was it? Like six pages. But for some reason, I thought that was as long as the novel because it, that's how long it took me to write was as long as it took me to read the book <laughs> wow that's I love incredible. that and then i think a couple years later i think i mentioned this on twitter where i tried to by hand write a book where it was about aliens came to earth in ufos and wanted to make giant like chickens and that was their plan to take the book which i kind of referenced in no gods for drowning at one point when alex is like what if well what if the dawn gods came and they made just chickens got to that super part. smart yeah I just got to that part <laughs> that's incredible he's just making an analogy it didn't happen but <laughs> um and i remember there was one where i was trying to write a very complicated story about werewolves where it was like many different points of view and it just I didn't really have a plan it was just random scenes which is fine now because I'm experienced I can do that and then like okay I'll I'll weave this into a narrative as I as I figure it out but like back then it was just like I was looking at these sheets of paper and I was like I don't know what I'm doing and it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing and then like what did you read horror sci-fi like scarier stuff growing up yeah too? Um, okay I mean with adult novels, it definitely started with Michael Crichton. And I think that was solely okay. because of Jurassic Park. And then I was like reading Sphere and Congo and stuff mm. like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, with kids stuff, though, definitely horror right away um, with like uh, Goosebumps. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. I wish I had discovered Christopher Pike back then because those books seem to be wild. Um, oh, but yeah. My mom had my mom was reading Dean Koontz. And I went into a room. I didn't have, I was, I don't know what was going on, but I just, I needed something to read. And I was like, I think I was 10, I think. Anyway, I went into a room. I couldn't have been older than 10. So I was nine or 10, but I'm pretty sure 10. But I went into a room and I saw Mr. Murder sitting in her, like she had a little, she had this cute little wicker basket 
that she'd put whatever books she'd finished reading and it had all these like grisly thrillers and stuff. So I pick up Mr. Murder and it's about like how this writer doesn't know he's his blood has been used in a cloning experiment and that clone thinks he's the writer so it's like going to his like it's it's stalking his family thinking that like oh this guy stole my life and um yeah it's i think i've read that one i've read yeah. a number of dean Koontz books but and i now wow. that you're explaining it i was like i think i have read that one that's one of the tamer ones um i think which is a good place to start and then i read uh watchers i think oh yeah yeah i loved watchers that was like the the super smart dog and the the monkey monster and stuff yeah um but then like his new book at the time came out intensity and my mom like everybody my, my mom and all her friends are buying intensity and she i saw her reading it and i was like can i read that when you're done she probably should have said no but she didn't she was like yeah when i'm done you can read it and so then like when she finished it it was just there and i started reading it and it's about this it's about this guy who like goes into places and he murders whole families and he got this girl kidnapped and and I was 10. I know I was 10 for this. And he's got this girl kidnapped and um, that he's like, like, he's just, he's essentially showing her photographs of the murdered families because he wants her, because he thinks he can hear when someone's mind breaks. And, and this woman, like, he doesn't know that this woman, that there was a, a friend staying with the last family he killed. And she's still, she's like been hiding in his RV to, to keep away from me, but then from him, but then she ends up at his house and it's. It's a uh, high tension has taken a lot of plot points from this book, I have to say. The, Which uh, one came really? first? Because I don't know whether it was that one or. High Tension came out in the in 2000s. So like oh, okay. Dean so, Koontz's yeah, books had already first. existed, but, but yeah, High Tension has a. A, a very similar setup, shall we say, really? to... Uh, really? Yeah. Really? I've uh -huh. never read any Dean Koontz. I just remember when I worked in a library, I shelved <laughs> his stuff all the time. And, like, I just never thought anything. I was like, oh, I equated him to, like, old people books. I was in high school. I was a shitty, <laughs> I was sh I was a shitty teenager. What can I say? But now but, but I... I <laughs> See, the difference is, I was little, so it's like, these are adult books. Mm -hmm. See, exactly. Well, and, but then you got to experience that me being a judgmental high schooler was like, oh, these aren't scary. But now, I, this year, <laughs> the past couple of years, I'm like, I should read some Dean Koontz, because his stuff sounds absolutely, like, so creepy. And, it's, like, It's ugh. pretty, he's got a, he's got, I, I haven't read anything from him since I was, like, 11, um, I was mowing through them when I was younger, but so I don't know how any of it holds up. I remember the the one I really should not have read was The Voice of the Night. But at that point, mom, my mom was buying the mass market paperbacks because you could get them cheap. And she was just mm -hmm. buying like a chunk of them just to keep me like occupied because I was just reading through them so fast. Um, weren't those the days when you could just mow through books like that? Uh -huh. <laughs> I miss it so much. I was thinking about that the other day where I was like, man, I used to read so many books and now I struggle just to finish one, like, in a, in, at all. It's so bad. But sometimes but, you find yeah. one that really, like, I'm reading, uh, I've got an arc of Catch Your Own Awards new book, uh, that's coming out later this year, Looking Glass Sound. I have been up way past my bedtime, not even noticing the time pass because I'm so sucked into oh, the book. And I, I love, love when that happens. Oh, it's the best. I'm reading um, Giddy in the Ninth. The okay. every, yeah, like, <laughs> the, the, everyone's heard it. Like the 
sci-fi lesbian st- yeah you don't space have to explain that it's just like, it was yeah. like oh yeah getting in the night yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was the, that was one that got me back into wanting to read again because i was like staying up until 2 a.m reading i was like oh my god I, this is ridiculous but it's, it's a nice not even feeling. the book's fault it's it's uh no. it's, it's the social media because we've got infinite scrolling you never run out of stuff so it's just killed our brains and it's like i put my phone on the other side of the room when it's my reading time a lot because i just yeah. like that. that's the only way it's the only, otherwise i'm it's it's not even that i think oh i i bet something cool or interesting is happening it's habit my hand just does yep. it at this point yes. even if i even if I shuffle around my my uh, social media tabs, even that's enough to stall me from actually opening them sometimes. Like, I'll just oh. swish them around so that it breaks the habit. It's like, if I have to move to another page, that's one more step. It's like, do I really need to check Twitter right now? What do I expect out of it? <laughs> Seriously, well, that's yeah. Actually really smart. That's actually a really smart strategy. I might have to start doing that. because I, I think we have to exhibit – it's not to – not to just quote this term again, but it's like, it's a sub, it's some level of like having to exert self care in that we have all these systems that are re- wrecking our concentration and attention spans. And we kind of have to be proactive about taking that control back. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Huh. Um, back to you. <laughs> I was Sorry. like, how do I change? No, no not apologize. at all. I was like, there's just, that... I can't transition. I'm not clever. <laughs> Back to a time when our attention span maybe wasn't as bad as children. But so we've talked about the books, but then what was your relationship to like horror films as a kid? Um, I mean, I loved and was scared of a lot of them. Um, the ones that were easy for me were like the universal horror monster movies mm-hmm. and like uh-huh. nobody wanted to watch them with me because they were all like this is boring it's in black and white blah 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 but i was just like like it's time for dracula it's time for house of dracula it's time for the whole like i love creature from the black lagoon was my favorite i had to have the whole trilogy um wolfman frankenstein like the mummy all that stuff i was so just like yeah i was just like absorbed with old black and white moods like uh, like the um you know harryhausen uh movies and mm-hmm. stuff um like just like Clash that was Titans that was my jam. Those. Yeah, Clash of the Titans, uh Twenty Million Miles to Earth, uh yeah, just the Sinbad all movies. Yeah. Seven Four just Sinbad was like that was just like I just like I I saw that shortly before Jurassic Park came out and that t- so for a little brief moment of my childhood, that was like peak special effects. <laughs> And I've Hell seen yeah. Ghostbusters and stuff, but for some reason that wasn't the same as seeing that Cyclops come out of the cave and like grabbing so sailors good. and stuff. Yeah. It's so good. And like fighting a dragon. And it's just like, you don't, you, you weren't seeing that stuff a lot of the time unless it was a Godzilla movie, which was also great, but it wasn't the same because I knew it was a guy in a suit for the Godzilla, even mm-hmm. though I love the Godzilla movies. Yeah. Um, adult horror though, that happened by accident. It usually happened by accident. My dad was supposed to bring home a VHS that was that um, a coworker had recorded off TV of the movie Troll, which he figured was pretty kid friendly. And I'm sure it is. I haven't actually gotten around to seeing Troll, but that wasn't the movie that was on the VHS. Oh, no. It was uh, I was five and my sister was four. And the movie was H.P. Lovecraft's The Unnameable. Um, I don't know how much it has to do with the short story with the Lovecraft story, but this was full on nudity uh-huh. um blood people's heads getting cut off 
um, just cursing. It was, it was, and like kind of Sam Raimi creature cam POV. Like Mm -hmm. we only made it about a half hour into the movie. And I still think that was pretty impressive for a five-year-old. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't say that was the movie that like, that's not my scarred for life pick. And I think probably because I did watch it when I was 20, um, you know, obviously years later. And I was just like, I wasn't very impressed. I was like, I think that the only reason this scared me is because I was five and I had had no other experience with this kind of stuff. I think even if I had been seven, I wouldn't have been scared by it. But it was just one of those things where just like that was like throwing me in the deep end kind of situation. Right. <laughs> oh my God. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be troll. Absolutely not. No, it's uh, an H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> adaptation with monsters. <laughs> and like, and like, so I kind of was pulling up more adult horror on as side by side with the universal stuff. Or, you know, I know that was adult horror back in the day, but like, um, we had a weekend. This was a very like down, like bummer weekend because of the, how these movies end, but we, I happened to grab from the video store Carnosaur, uh, the seventies invasion of the body snatchers and night of the living dead. Wow. Oh, wow. And, what a trifecta. Uh, right. It, no, like it was some, it was definitely, a, uh, you know, something to watch and like, it, I'd never seen any of those movies before, but none of those have a happy ending. <laughs> I've never seen Carnosaur, but the other ones, absolutely. Carnosaur. I mean, that's, it's hard because like, on the one hand, it's a Roger Corman film it in a couple months rip off to like get it in the stores before Jurassic Park releases mm-hmm. in theaters type of movie. On the other hand, there is some impressive and interesting stuff. It is a very bleak movie. It is it is like a tonal opposite of Jurassic Park. It is so okay. it is such a depressing movie. <laughs> huh. But it it, it there's some creepy stuff in it here and there. It's definitely it's definitely got the gore factor. I'm I'm looking on it on Wikipedia and there, or on IMDb and there's a trailer playing and I'm like this looks wild. It's like it was one of those things where like I kind of forgot a lot of it and I wrote it off as just like yeah that was that weird freaky dinosaur movie where they get pregnant with the dinosaur eggs and stuff. <laughs> But then I, I watched a little, like, somebody was kind of, like, doing a little mini review of it um, recently, like, on YouTube. And it was, like, I saw the this the guy was, like, trying to get away from the giant carnosaur up into these pipes and stuff. And I was just, like, I feel like, I feel like Dino Crisis is based off of this more than anything oh, else. Dino Crisis. Oh, that's <laughs> a great game. Where's our Dino Crisis remake? I know, right? Wait, come on, Wait, Capcom. Was that, was that an arcade game? No, uh, this oh, was no. A, like a this was like a Resident Evil style game on the PlayStation. Oh, okay. I I played something similar. I feel like, but an, an, at an arcade, and that's why I was like, "There's something, but something." Uh, there's Time Crisis. That was an arcade. That game. might be what I'm. That might be what I'm thinking. <laughs> putting dinosaurs in it. Oops. <laughs> That'd be fun, actually. <laughs> Time no. Crisis with Dinosaurs. Uh, that was one of my favorite games to go to at the arcade. Time Crisis. <laughs> yep, me too. Uh, wow. But so, okay. So we have talked... Well, we're, actually, okay. W- listeners, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will come back, and then we will talk about your Scarred for Life choice, Haley. <laughs> and we're back! Yay! Um. All right. So, Haley, what film did you bring with you today as your Scarred for Life <laughs> pick? My Scarred for Life pick is The Blob 1988. Ugh. Ah! 
okay, so in The Blob, 1988, a deadly entity from space crashes near a small town and begins consuming everyone in its path. Panic ensues as shady government scientists try to contain the horrific creature. All right, Haley, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. (laughs) When I was a kid, it was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I'm so excited to talk about this. So tell us, bring us back to the beginning. How did you see this movie? Why did you see it? Why is it your Scarred for Life pick? Give us your horror story. I cannot wait. (laughs) All right. So just some brief background there. Um, I would back then the TNT would have monster vision each Friday. And this was before uh, Joe Bob Briggs. So it was like, it was just a lot of older stuff. And one of the movies they'd play a lot of the time was uh, the old Steve McQueen, the blob from the Mm fifties. And I really liked that movie. Um, Like it was fun. It was, you know, I'm just, it was just a good time. So I, and I used to also peruse the TV guide. So I happened to see that the blob was going to be on, like, I think it was USA or something, um, on Saturday afternoon. It's like, oh, that's not the usual monster time. It's not the usual monster channel, but it's, it's, I can watch the blob. So I turned it on and then we're slowly descending through the clouds as creepy, 80s style credits play of this very somber synthesizer music and i'm like this isn't the blob (laughs) (laughs) and but then it says the blob and i'm just like but it but it's not the blob (laughs) there's no song where's the song where's the like the little squiggly lines Um, of the blob right and leaps and (laughs) right um so i'm just kind of watching like out of morbid curiosity at this point i'm nine years old by the way um so i didn't understand yes exactly (laughs) so i didn't understand what remakes were Uh i didn't understand a lot of things with movies so i'm watching and watching and like i don't know these characters like it's like there's no like you know, they're, they're not run, driving around in the, like, Cadillacs and stuff. Um, like, you know, there's uh, there's Brian on his bike. There's the football game. You know, there's just kind of small town stuff happening. And I'm just, again, I'm just kind of riding it out. And then it gets to where they're, like, about 10 minutes in, like, right before the first commercial break, where the thing comes down from the sky, like, the meteor hits. And I'm like, okay, I'm on familiar territory again here it's like so this is kind of like the blob um and then he and then it's a little different because um in the original movie and it's been a long time since i've seen it it kind of just falls onto his hand like the little blob and then he just he can't shake it off but he's clearly distressed but it's not like it's not like you don't know how bad it's going to get yet this blob (laughs) launches onto the guy's hand and then he it clearly is not only distressing but painful and he's running around he runs into brian out in the woods and then tries to chop his hand off with an axe and and then i'm just like like oh wow they didn't try that in the original in the other blob but then it just covers up the wound the blob says "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh right it's just and i'm just like at that point, I'm horrified um, because, one, this is not the blob I was expecting. But, two, I had never seen somebody chop at their own limb in a movie before and then blood coming out. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting there like this, um, like <laughs> watching on the tiny TV in my parents' bedroom. And they're uh, downstairs doing something. I don't know where my siblings were. So I, I keep watching like 
I can't turn, I can't look away. Um, and it cuts to commercial. <laughs> I'm just, I'm still sitting there. So then it gets back and we're in the hospital. <laughs> and Paul hears the noise as he's like filling out stuff and he goes to check on the old guy. And at this point, I'm still thinking Paul is the hero of the yep. movie. Um, I don't think that it's Meg or Brian. And so he, it shows the old guy turning away and his eyes going up into his head, showing the whites of his eyes and that big lump of the yep. blob under his skin in his throat. And that's the point where I quickly changed the channel. Because, <laughs> okay, because I had come across situations where something really scary or gory was going to happen. And I was like, if I just change the channel for a minute, I'll come back. That part will be over. It'll be fine. It worked. Like, I remember uh, we were watching uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And mm. there's, I didn't know what was going to happen when the propeller of the plane is going towards that one big guy that Indiana Jones is fighting. So I was like, mm. oh, this is going to be bad. I turned off the TV for a second, for like a minute. And then I turned it back on. And I didn't know that you don't see anything. Um, right. So, but. So I figure this logic will prevail here. The blob is no different from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and <laughs> so when I turn it back, I turn it back and um, I see the part where it, it drops onto Paul and then it cuts to, it cuts to Meg. And I'm like, okay, so it, it, the movie did the channel change essentially for me. It brought me back to Meg where, um, or it cuts does it cut to that or is that the part with the jello? I can't remember, but it cuts away. Oh, no, that, it, it, the jello part is what I think the guy is cutting. Is he cutting off his, is he not always cutting it off? But that was my favorite smash cut in this movie when they smash cut. <laughs> it's really yeah. funny. Yeah, no, um, it, cu it definitely cuts back to Meg. But, but, okay. So then I think, okay, that was, now it's just going to be like in the original blob where, um, after they find, like, I remember the doctor being like, it must have absorbed the old man completely. And you just see the little wriggling stop motion, you know, jam blob. Um, so I was like, okay, that's what we will see. Instead, it's when Meg finds Paul being essentially melted by this thing slowly and his face is, you can see his eyes and his face is melting and he's reaching out and his arm pops off when she grabs it. <laughs> and like he just, it, his, his skull caves in from the thing melting him. I was, I, I don't, I think I only stared as long as I did because I was paralyzed and then I turned it off and I was done. I was out of there. Like I was, I I couldn't watch the rest of the movie at that point. I was just like, it was too much for a too nine year old. Much. And I'd seen Night of the Living Dead, and I still think that's a scary movie. And I'd seen all this other shit, and that was just, I couldn't. It was too much. It was, it, it overwhelmed me. Broke that brain. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't go back for years. It was so many years before I even I turned I just turned on the TV to some channel and it was like a later part of the movie that wasn't like as bad yet. But I was just like I was like, oh this is the this is that blob and I just like <laughs> changed the channel. I did I saw the climax at some point before I saw the rest of the movie. And that honestly the climax is the tamest part because um it's just so bombastic mm -hmm. um that's like okay like this is fine this is i mean it's, it's you know it's rough like there's stuff bad stuff is happening but it's not as bad as like paul's face melting and all that horrible stuff so like after that i was like okay 
I think someday I can come back to this and watch the whole movie. And that was a few, that was only a few years ago. That was oh, only wow. in like 2016, I think, that I finally came back and watched the whole movie. And I was like 20, was 2016. I was like, it was in my 30s by then. So I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch this. Whoa. I was scared even to watch it then. And I was right to be because it was still horrifying. <laughs> it I, is I, horrifying. I sat down and I was, I was like, I'm not turning this off. I'm in my 30s. Grow up. And I was still like, when it got to the scene with Paul, I was just like, this is so much worse than I remembered. And then it gets to the part where like Paul's friend who Paul's like rapist friend is like trying to like get that girl in the car and they like caves in. She caves inward because the blob Uh, is inside her. Yes. Um, I saw it like moving, like you could see how fast it was going over the grass. And I was just like, the old blob was never this fast. And, (laughs) um, the, Oh my, there's so many terrible scenes, the drain and the phone booth and the, the poor projectionist in the movie theater. And then all those people in the movie theater, the sewer kid, like there's just on and on. There's these horrifying moments. It doesn't let up. It doesn't. Every 10 minutes, there's something new. Exactly. Like, I feel like a lot of, like, I feel like a lot of complaints I see about horror movies, like you only get a little bit of the monster, you only get one moment. <laughs> but in this movie, it's like hold my this beer. is like <laughs> hold my beer. Like we go, we start going and going and going, and you just see people completely like melted Digested. and reassembled. Ew, I know. It's just like well, and so this was my first time seeing this movie. Actually, oh, wow. I had never seen it before, <laughs> and I don't know why I'd never seen it before. I think. I I thought of the the remake the the original and the remake as one and the same, and I I heard mm. of, I've heard about the blob, but I just like it never kind of came up. But I watched it last night, and my husband was like, "Oh, this movie's rough," and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and as I was watching it, I yelled a couple times. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it it would when Paul is killed, is, my husband looks over and said. Bet you thought that was the hero, didn't you? And I was like, I did <laughs> think that was the hero. And he, and you know, we have the 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 um the sheriff that we're introduced to, and you're like, oh, the hero. And then he is so. My favorite in this though is like the kills aren't like they're not always this big like oh my god that person is dead. It's like the sheriff. You just see his face blinking right. and floating Float into in, yeah in the blob. And it's so sad. It is sad because you start you especially like you start. It's not one of those movies where it's just like here's a bunch of people you you'll you'll dislike and then they get killed one by one. It's the movie where it's like yeah there's some there's some assholes but there's also a lot of nice people like kind people yes. like like that like the um I forget her name at the at the diner but she yes like she's like we're closed and it's like and he's like oh come on it's like okay I'll get you a sandwich okay here's the last of this stuff like she's like she's Fran. she's. Yeah, she's so gentle with everyone, and then she just has that dreadful, like, long drawn out bit of the blob just condensing around the phone booth, and her trying to keep it out with her foot and stuff, and then finally just all crashes in. It's just, it's just one of those movies that's just like, you, you sit with the horror of it. Like, you really do. And it's so much worse to me than somebody getting like carved apart by like jason or something or even like a saw movie like this is worse than that to me well and like because there isn't well one it feels like it's so much harder to stop it you know what i mean like this is it's not a person there's no decisions even being made it doesn't it's not intelligent it's just it's just doing things 
Like, right, it's exactly. just it wants to consume, and there's nothing you can do about it. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about how movies like The Crazies, specifically I'm thinking of the remake of The Crazies, um, and how, like, 30 Days of Night, movies like that kind of, I feel like, follow a similar structure of, like, very, cl- like, and The Blob does it the best now that I've seen it. It's, like, getting you to know the people that live there, but, like, in a very kind of quick way. It's not spending right. a lot of time, but you still get the sense of, like, community small town who these people are and like yeah there are assholes but it's like small town america assholes it's not like when we meet the scientists who have actually like bioengineered right. this thing who are like eh, it's fine if a couple hundred people get eaten in town it's all worth it for defense of america from russia and it's, it's- just like yeah <laughs> it's so wild because i didn't really i didn't really pick up on until this watch that up until up until meg and brian correct them um they think it's just a disease yeah a virus they're like right. it's a virus and they don't realize that like even after even after they're told what's actually going on they're not prepared for it they mm-hmm. go in and they see it for the first time and they're just like holy shit like they 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 didn't even when they're prepared they do not know they're not prepared that's what i actually love about this movie i think this movie is very smart uh yes. more smart it's than a, a great, lot of people give it's it a great credit script for. by frank darabont it really is and i think that it really plays on so like one of the things that i think we see a lot of in the 80s is a lot of 50s nostalgia there's a yes. lot of movies that embrace that and this movie is the perfect way to to tackle that because the first movie came out, the original came out in the 50s. And so we're remaking a 50s movie. That movie was very golly gee willikers. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. But like it's uh, if you look at like the the strange history behind the creation of it, it's um, it was being produced by um, a bunch of religious people. Who wanted to get into filmmaking? Oh, and so there's like a lot of like, and I'm, there was this article on Gen- on Den of Geek that I had read at one point, and it was talking about how, um, so this guy named Jack H. Harris, who was a Pennsylvanian film distributor, he was determined to break into the movie production. He turned to um, a Pennsylvania-based studio called Valley Forge, which was a company that had made about 250 religious films and had never attempted a feature before, and so all of a sudden. That became this. And so there's a lot of golly gee feel to that original film. It's very um, optimistic, I would say. It's like the army will come to save us. Yes. The police will save us. Everyone will save us. Everyone is like authority good. This movie is saying, um, okay, the, the popular jock kid that would have been like the main character in that one, he's a date rapist. Um, we have, uh, the, the police that are just kind of farting about and not really figuring things out. We have the military coming in and on all of a sudden they're authoritarian and they're not here to save the day. They're here to kill you. So it's, it's definitely, it takes the kind of, if you've seen the original blob like you, Haley and coming to this one, it is, right. this is like a nihilistic, uh, no fuck you to the original blobs, more <sighs> happiness. It, it's, it's so smart. I think it still pays like decent tribute to the original in oh, some absolutely. ways like it's it's definitely not it's definitely not against the original but it is against the originals like naivete mm-hmm. like they're definitely Ooh. both products of their time um and like i do i do love that this like people don't respect this one as much as i feel they should like the, there's I two agree. other 50s to 80s horror remakes the fly and the thing that get a lot more yeah. respect than this one i'm like i think this is that's the trio 
to me. Mm, like that, absolutely. That, 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 those three movies do an excellent job of taking what were at their time good 50s movies. I still love the original The Thing, mm-hmm. uh, the Howard Hawks movie, but they take, they do a, an excellent job of making these more, uh, layered, I'd say, movies out of, out of those premises. Yeah, same. Absolutely. I was same. thinking a lot about The Thing watching The Blob because I was like, <laughs> wait. So we have, obviously, I mean, obviously, I love the thing. I have my poster back here. And we have all those <laughs> iconic moments of, like, the head and the head spider. But we get just as many, if not more, iconic moments, I think, in this one, too, with the body horror. And I was so surprised, you yeah. know, especially with Peter's death, with him coming, trying to come out of the blob. Um, right. There, when the little kid is getting... I know. I know. You, I, you don't expect it. Ugh. Like... She gets like, and we have the whole like, like she dives to save him. She's going, you like, you're like, oh, she's gonna come up with him and save him. It's fine. Right. And then she comes <laughs> up and she's like, uh oh, she doesn't have him and his half digested corpse. And I think, I think this he's still movie, alive. <laughs> exactly, like still alive and screaming. <laughs> like the most horrendous. Like I think what this one I think is even scarier than the thing is like you can yeah. be aware that these people are in pain because they are being digested. They aren't just being like assimilated into an organism. Like they are being fully digested, right? And that is so much scarier and painful. And I that is so much scarier to me. That's not knocking the thing. But like the concept of the monster is even scarier with just like the pain factor and the death factor here. Like, Jesus Christ. Like <gasps> the dread the dread for me of the thing is that you don't know who to trust. Like you don't yeah. know who's the thing. It's not so much the thing itself. Like because each time they discover who's the thing, they dispatch it pretty quickly. Um, it's yeah. just a matter of like it can it can get get you in your sleep. It can get you like this. Like the blob is just it has like the the I think that's the, the difference. Also, is like the thing is clearly thinking. It's very mm. intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the blob is not intelligent at all. There's nothing going on in there. It is it is um purely. It's just it's a giant amoeba. Um, it's just doing what it does. The only time it, it slows down is if it's just had a bit to eat and it's kind of working that into energy. Um, like we see that in the hospital when it leaves Meg alone and then when it goes into the sewer and the, the priest sees it, which is that ending is something else. Like, um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this was like a favorite of mine growing up because it hit like this perfect spot for me of like incredible effects that like, I was at that age. I, I probably saw this when I was, I think maybe nine. It came out in eighty eight, so I would have been I would have been seven when it came out. So maybe I was eight or nine when it when it came out on VHS. But like for me, none of the horror like it went way over my head. I was just like, I cannot believe they're doing these effects because I had grown mm. up. My my dad was like a, was huge into old school horror, so like I had watched yeah a lot of the Universal monster movies, of course. And the Blob was one of his favorites, and we had that on VHS, and I would watch it all the time. And so when this one came up, like I was like, it didn't it did not scare me. For some reason, I don't know why, because it is absolutely <laughs> terrifying watching it as an adult. But as a kid, I was just like, how did they do that? I was like so enthralled in like the special effects. And there's no nudity in this movie. There's no sex. <laughs> so my parents were like, sure, you can watch this one because they had this whole weird ass thing about American not seeing. thing. <laughs> yep. No titties for Terry was like the, the joke on the podcast because I'd have to cover my eyes. And I'm like, well, okay, whatever. But yeah, so... 
this movie didn't have any of that. It was just special effects, special effects, special effects. And I was like, this is my thing. And I was so excited by the end of the movie, you're bringing up the the Reverend, because I was like, I want to see the sequel. We never got a fucking sequel because no one went to go see this movie. But in my head, (laughs) I kept like asking my parents, like, have you heard anything about the Blob sequel yet? Have you heard anything about the Blob sequel? I would just like years later be like, when is the Blob sequel coming out? Because this movie suggested there's going to be a sequel. And you never got one. The Lord just didn't give him a sign. (laughs) I know. Rude. Where's your God now? (laughs) (laughs) But it's, I I think that for me, I guess I I probably would have been like that too, if I'd been able to make it to the end of the movie. Yeah. But um, I think for me, the implication on its own is scarier because the idea that he can just at any moment, just end the world with this thing is just, it's horrifying. There's one thing for it to happen by accident, but like for somebody to deliberately put it in places, like that could be something that you couldn't stop potentially. It's a good idea for a sequel too. It is. It's just I don't know what you'd do. I, I guess I don't know where you'd go from there. It's just it's like, well, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like it makes me there's a book I read this year called um Hell Followed Us Here, or I think ah oh, fuck. I think I got the title wrong. But it like makes me think of religious nuts getting their hands on something they can't technically control but think they can yeah. and that would be so interesting but yeah because i think we have such like an awesome indictment of the government or government or is it confirmed that it's a government agency it's government it is government yeah. that's right because i was like because the u.s satellite that's right the u.s satellite i was i was trying at one point i was like is this just a sketchy group of people who like say they're <laughs> from the government but like we have the sketchy government agency who has manufactured this whole terror, but then and then we get the next that logical thing would be an indictment on religious like religious right. attitudes in America, and that would have been such a cool sequel. Someone do it now. We could do it. I think it's. I think we're. we're it's time. <laughs> my my only thing now is that they would they would do it CGI, and I just I know. Oh, I think, ew, that's true. Good point. And, and good I just point, although point. although the stop motion in the climax does not necessarily hold up as well, all the other stuff in the movie holds up incredibly well. You feel it because it's on screen, like it because it's happening there in front of the camera, and I'm just like, if it was CGI, I it wouldn't be scary, and you wouldn't feel it. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't, no, absolutely. it wouldn't yeah. be as horrifying what's happening to the, to the, to the characters. Well, I mean, just think about a CGI photo booth scene. Like the, it's so terrifying because you can see like it, it, it's actually it like sloshes in, it like, sloshes in and ugh. it's coming through the crowd. That's what, and again, in this scene, but also a bunch of other scenes with the door is shut. They're like, oh, the door is shut. It's like, that's usually a sign of safety, but because it can go under the door, it's like, right. no, not even a shut door keeps you safe. Um, and again, I think this movie does play with that idea of safety and that we get so often in horror. Like in slashers, I feel like we always kind of know the formula. Like, okay, we know right. where the safe zones are. But in the blob, there is no safe zone, buddy. Like come that, the pipes, that thing is- come through the doors. It's just, everywhere everywhere and it's and again like this movie goes there and kills a kid which we don't see it again it's always a taboo subject of killing a kid but in this one it's like oh no no we're not discriminating against like who is being at and part of the blob like everyone and i think it hits this nihilism that isn't I think was starting to come through. We we get obviously hit the peak nihilism in the 2000s (laughs) but i think this was kind of hinting at this whole like 
sorry guys, like there isn't there is like a happy ending. But again, we get the rev at the end with the reverend. Like there isn't right. actually a happy ending. It's just a reprieve, which I think is right incredible well and even even them like containing the the blob at the end there's like the inherent it's subtle they don't really address it but like earlier in the movie there's this this conversation with brian and one of the the mechanics where they're like you know it's a it's a warm october you know snow hasn't yeah. come we didn't it's get been snow. a couple years like that mm-hmm. it's it's climate we're change talking, is already happening exactly we're very quietly talking about climate change at this point they're at the very end they're like well we got to get this guy to the ice house because it's it, we need to keep it frozen and it's going to get to the point where there's not going to be a lot of snow and a lot of coldness and so like inherent in here is that kind of what do you do once it's in the high ice house like how do you right. get rid of it you're just containing it at this point right have either of you seen Shin Godzilla? I love Shin Godzilla. No, it's I like need the to. end of Shin Godzilla. I don't not to spoil don't, yeah. spoilers, don't spoil. but don't spoil. I do want to watch yeah. it. Yeah. I do want to watch it. It's a really sorry, I won't say anything else though. But there is that terror. <laughs> I know of, what like, you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But like when I saw like, oh, they froze him, I was like, Yeah, but that's not dead. Like we don't know how to actually kill it. We just immobilized it. And that's the same as at the end of the original blob when they dump it in the in the Arctic, and they're like, well, as long as the Arctic doesn't melt. Right. And then it's like, the end, question mark? Right. <laughs> and that was back in the 50s. I know. <laughs> so one of the things that always makes me so sad, and we, we kind of touched on a little bit, was Fran and, and, er, and Herb. But, like, the way that this unfolds, where, you know, we have, like, this little meat, well, it's not even a meat cute, but in, in terms of the movie, it's a meat cute. They're, this like, at the diner. Out. Yeah. Right, it's, like, this little cute thing, like, would, would you want to go on a date with me? And then, you know, she slips in the papers, says, I'm off at 11. It's, like, this I hopefulness. I really quick, I thought I was going to get creepy, because she was, like, I can't say no to the sheriff of the town. And I was oh. like, ew, is he a creep? Like, is it just weird? But it ended up being cute. But I was like, I get 2023. And then, and then, and then <laughs> it goes so badly. <laughs> 2023, I'm like, oh, all the cops are shit. And like, he is just like creepily hitting on her and won't leave her alone. Just projecting my own. <laughs> Sorry, Terry. Understandable. <laughs> no, but what I, what I do, what, what makes me so sad is, you know, she gets out to the phone booth. She's like, I got to call her. I got to let the police know. And she gets a hold of the the person on the phone and she's like he went to the diner and at that moment is when yes. his face like just shows up in the blob and his eye the effect of his eye i think it's like his left eye that just sort of like it's floating loose it's, it's yeah. so good but i'm just like but he oh, blinks so at sad. one point too i think because my he's husband was alive. like he's blinking he's still alive i'm like this right. is horrible it is. <laughs> like it's- i've seen some shit but like this is a lot <laughs> And that's, love why, it, wow. and that's why this movie still upsets me to this day. I do mm-hmm. love this movie um, now, but like even to watch it, because I was like, you know, I hadn't, I'd watched, I had finally watched the whole thing uh, a few years ago, and then I haven't watched it since. So I was watching it this time, and I was still just like, okay, come on, we can, we can do this. Um, like I was still. I was still scared. This movie still scares me even to put it on. And I, it was like, okay, we're getting to that scene. Like, I don't have this reaction to movies anymore. I don't have that level of the, like the closest thing I can think of to that level of discomfort is when like the secondhand embarrassment kind of scenes in like comedies and stuff. That's as close as I get to where like, oh, I can't watch this. I can't deal with this. But this movie does it with horror because 
of how it's written and how the effects are done, and it's just so upsetting. Mm-hmm. Paul's death is is still <sighs> it's still incredibly well. I remember he was on. So Tony Gardner did the special effects for this, and he was initially mm-hmm. hired to do like some small special effects, and then he ended up working on it uh, long term. And Tony Gardner, of course, uh, he's like he created. Um, he was involved with like uh, the Child's Play movies, doing mm-hmm. the the doll um, for Chucky. That makes sense because there's a lot of times where Chucky is is in pain, and it's also really upsetting. <laughs> yeah, so like he he's done like a lot. He did the Blob. He did Dark Man. He worked on the Adams Family, Army oh, of Darkness, okay. Hocus yeah. Pocus. He was the puppeteer for Binks. Um, Okay. Like he just he has like a lot of experience and he also worked on um I think I think mostly the later child's play movies but I'm not 100% yeah. certain. Yeah, he was he replaced I think it was like the third or the I think it was the third or the third one I think that he came on mm, third or fourth okay. one he came on. But he he does incredible work in this movie. This this movie so he was on a podcast they was talking about the scene with Paul and they actually made like and it's hard for me not to see it now. It kind of like ruined it a little bit, but there's like a blanket. They have like this weird, they call it the blob blanket, I think. And they <laughs> had it put over them and they would pull it. And so that's what made it look like it was like pulling back his flesh was that it was like this, this blanket oh. that they were just pulling behind him. And so like, it was, it's, it's really kind of cool now to watch it and, and kind of see that the kind of cracks in the, in that scene of, of that doing it. But man, the amount of, the amount of um, ingenuity in getting these effects oh, yeah. from the eighties. It's just, it's, it's so good. And that, that the blob is gross. The blob looks disgusting. In it's this. disgusting. It's absolutely it's disgusting. Like- <laughs> it's like snot. It looks like a sentient pink snot. And like, I mean that as a compliment, like that's not meant to be a bad thing, but it looks like bubblegum and snot got together and made a horrifying cosmic baby. That, that <laughs> moment where it's chasing Brian and Meg to the freezer and oh, it like yes. goes very quick over the ceiling and it's like that was like i like i didn't know i couldn't tell even while watching it that that's foam yeah like oh. that's just foam that they sprayed up and it just it moves over them like that and i'm like that's genius cuz it doesn't look like it at all no no it's oh. Yeah, this movie does need to be talked about more like i feel like i hear people it talk does. about it and compliment people it do, people people but- talk down about it like i've I've seen that stuff on twitter where they're just like oh the original blob forever and stuff like that like like to hell with the remake and stuff and i'm just like this is an amazing movie and like again the in there was so much ingenuity to the uh effects and stuff like it's it's incredible the work that goes into making something that's this uh this unsettling and this and this like ugh. It has <laughs> moments of of dark comedy though too. Like the editing, I, I know you you Mary Beth, you mentioned the your favorite smash cut, but like the editing <laughs> between the the blob moving up the guy's arm and then quick cutting to the kid slurping Jello. Yes, oh, so I, good. I, I cheered because I I'd heard about that before. <laughs> like, I'd heard of that moment, but when it happened, I was like, that's the best. That's the best smash cut to ever exist. Like, there's no, there's no one, anything could ever tell me that it would is a better smash cut than the kid slurping the Jello off the plate. <laughs> so good. It's, and but you know, I, they, and there are there are funny moments there, but the it's like the deaths are never like the source of it, and I appreciate that. Like they mm-hmm. never give yes. you that 
relief of feeling like you can laugh about somebody dying it's always like it's always like terrible but yeah there is no there is some humor especially the early the early movie when you don't like things haven't gotten so bad yet um yeah with the yeah smash cut the the whole thing with Paul coming to the house and the and dad the lowers the newspaper. With the condom, the condom ribs. <laughs> I was like, that was incredible. And also like worst nightmare possible. Like, could you oh, even definitely. imagine the embarrassment? Like, I'd be oh like, I God. have to leave and never come back. Like, absolutely horrendous. Can never, I can never, I can never bring this guy to the house again. <laughs> no. But like, I feel like this movie, again, we talked about this, like plays with expectations, though, in terms of what we expect from horror. Like we have like the couple making out in the car and, you know, you expect a death, but not such a horrendous one and such one that is so obviously rape. You know, like, right. it's always like the two horny teenagers, but like they're all into it. But here he's obviously sexually assaulting her. And then we have a horrendous death that I did cheer because I was like, yay, death to rapist. But I was like, but oh, God, like she also died. Like it's right. Yeah. And then I also think, you know, you in- we introduced the two little kids and because it's an 80s film, I was like, OK, these are going to be our kids that save the day. Because, again, we're used to seeing <laughs> the two little boys and like the sister comes in to help. But here, right. it's the mm-hmm. sister who is right. Meg saving is, the day. Meg's the one who's like, like, what's she say? Like, eat this, you son of a bitch, or something uh, at the end with the... Okay. Incredible. My sexuality is Shawnee Smith standing on the top of that car with her gun <laughs> shooting it and saying, come on, you can do better than that, you son of a bitch. Like, it's so great. Like, it's so great. It's... <laughs> She doesn't get the credit. Like, that character doesn't get the yes. credit she deserves. No. I was going to say, I'm like, I'm sorry. We talk about, like, everyone is so much, like, you know, loves Final Girls. So why don't we talk about her? Like, she's the baddest right. bitch. Like, the baddest bitch. Like, she dove after the blob. Like, she's running right. into the movie theater of, like, where people everyone's throw it, is running out to save her brother. Like, she's And you see badass. it, like, on the seats and stuff, yes. like, writhing around. And she's still in there. Like, she's still in yes. there saving her brother and his friend. Well, and, like, I think another thing I like about this movie, too, it doesn't just focus on her heroicism, but we have the close-up of the person being, like, digested we don't get quick cuts but like we see the like if there's a young woman you see her dead <laughs> she and they pushes lift her, her up. over and she's only half <laughs> eaten yes. yes. and so, she's like, still movie, alive she's still yes. alive this movie never wants to stop showing you like yeah there's heroes here but look what's going on to everyone else right. i think it, it hits that balance so well that i think a lot of movies might sometimes miss out on in terms of wanting to focus on our heroes or like saving the day but here it's like right. oh but we're still gonna show you that like no matter what she's doing people are getting digested like everywhere and it's yeah it, Wow. It's, it's really good at subverting expectations, too, because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Haley, you mentioned thinking, you know, and well, and you, Mary Beth, as well, thinking that, you know, Paul was going to be the hero and then he gets dissolved, right? Well, so the movie, like, sets up all these people that could potentially be the hero. You have, like, Kevin Dillon's character with his glorious mullet, um, <laughs> who, like, you know, he's riding a motorcycle. So immediately people are thinking Steve McQueen from the original you know, the blob, like motorcycle, that kind of stuff. Yep. He's going to be that character. Um, no, it, it's Meg. Meg ends up being the hero of it. But the way the the movie starts, it almost makes it feel as if the two men are going to be kind of the heroes. And it's not. It's it's all Meg. And she's there to save the day, save her family, yell, shooting a gun <laughs> at the top of her lungs. Like, it's just it's it's so good. It's so good. 
Mm. I, I honestly think she doesn't get talked about with the final girls because this movie is so frequently disrespected. Yeah. I, I just don't, don't know why though. I, that's I the only thing. Like, I wish, I wish I could figure out why it's so disrespected because it doesn't make sense to me. It's just, it happened to fall in this little gap where it's like, nobody wants that. And I'm just like, but I don't understand. I don't understand why but this one get, why, why this particular movie? No. Yeah. I, so. I don't get it. The yo-yo from the ceiling, too, oh, by the way. Oh, the yo-yo from the ceiling. That was such like, a great setup, though, because you remember him playing with it, and then it comes down, and then you see. And that's like that's one of the most horrifying moments to me is him on the ceiling getting melted. Mm-hmm. Ugh. The cop getting pulled in half through the barricade. Like, there's just gleeful moments of, of violence in this in this movie that's just like, nope, we're going to we're going to pull out all the stops. And it just it's. It's exciting and it's so pa- it's paced incredibly well. I was like when I was watching it last night, like I've I've I do watch this movie an awful lot, but I was watching it last <laughs> night and I was like, "Oh wow, I'm we're already at the climax and it felt like it I just know. started." It just it's it's, it's just so it's much fun. It's beautiful domino effect of pacing. Um mm-hmm. again that the uh, Frank Darabont knows what he's doing. Like he yeah. he's known since way back then like and he wrote the script um and I believe Chuck Russell also directed uh one of my favorite movies ever, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just like, you can see that same thing here. It's just like the pacing is just like this, then this, then this, and this is all colliding towards this amazing climax. Yeah. Do we want to wrap up and give this our rating out of five, Terry? Sounds good. Else we want to hit? Cool. All right. We've hit everything. I know. There's so much to talk about with this movie. I always feel <laughs> like, but all right, Terry, um, how many Kevin Dillon mullets? Glorious, glorious, beautiful mullets out of five do we get do you give the blob nineteen eighty eight? I mean, this is an easy one for me. It's five. This movie I think this movie is perfect. I I could this is a comfort movie watch. Um I was the I, the last time I As watched I love, it was sorry, I love horror fans where we're like, the blob is my comfort movie. Like <laughs> an hour and a half of people getting absolutely fucking digested and it's a comfort movie. And I get it, but I just we're a cool bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I had watched this like maybe la- I think it was last year, the last time I watched it. It was for guesting on the psychoanalysis podcast because they were doing a comfort episode. I was like, this is my comfort episode. I love this movie so much. I think the effects, I think most of the effects work stands up to today. I think it is darkly comedic. I think it's nihilistic in, in the best way that I like my nihilistic movies to be. Um, it subverts expectations. It's just, I think there's this movie has everything for it. It makes me sad when people don't give it the same respect that I think the fly and the thing get. And yeah, I think this is, some of it might be tinged by nostalgia, but I think this is a perfect movie. It is, it is five Kellen Dillon's glory, Kevin, my God, Kevin Dillon's <laughs> glorious mullets Kevin out of Dillett. five. Kevin Dillon. <laughs> Kevin Dillon. What about you, Mary Beth? So I am not tinged with nostalgia, and I so, I also think it's a five it's a five mulleter um, out of five. Yay. I I was so excited to watch this because I've been meaning to. And Haley, when you said the Blob, I was like, oh, thank God! I finally am like gonna have my <laughs> ass kicked into watching this movie. And as someone who is loves the thing. I was like, this is another, like, this is in the same caliber to me. And I think, again, we've talked about the differences, but here I think, you know, the pacing that affects, like, the way that this whole, this whole movie unfolds is just so incredibly impressive. And also, our final girl, 
I'm not going to start talking about Meg as our as a final girl that needs more recognition because she is such a badass. She's an incredible woman in horror as we talk about. I think she is a character that needs to have more like more attention for all of the badass stuff she does. And this movie doesn't let up. It says, it says fuck the government and it says <laughs> like fuck religion and I love that especially in 1988. I think that this is an incredible piece of horror cinema. So this is a five to Kevin Dillon mullets for me. Hell yeah. Haley, you have the final word. How many mullets do you give this movie? <laughs> I also give this five out of five mullets um it's i don't know if i have a nostalgia factor with it necessarily because (laughs) i was so terrified to continue watching it um but i definitely think that it's uh i i think pacing script like it's really just on it It, it's firing on all cylinders um the effects still hold up even the stop motion i mentioned it's not even the stop motion that, that i think is an issue it's just the blue screen against the stop motion it's really Mm -hmm. that's it and that's Mm -hmm. so brief that who cares um like it's it's just it's an amazing uh horror movie i i would love to see it get more respect in the community it's hard to believe looking at the effects that it is over 30 years old i Um, know but it is yeah Uh, so i five out of five for me i really i really think they made something amazing with this hell yeah well thank you so much Haley, for joining us to talk about the blob because i i could talk about the blob every single day that's (laughs) like uh so good but where can our listeners find you and what do you have coming up that you'd like to talk or plug the floor is yours uh let's see so i have three books coming out this year as long as everything goes as planned um just three yeah, it's nothing. No big deal. Just three. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to try to never have that happening again because my brain is just is all over the place. Yeah, but, I can um, imagine. Cru- Cruel Angels Past Sundown should be coming from Death's Head Press. It's my splatter western book. Um, Even the Worm will, will Turn, which is the sequel to The Worm and His Kings, uh, should be coming out in the summer. And then uh, A Light Most Hateful is my small town horror, uh, horror novel, uh, will be coming out in, uh, in October, on October 10th from Titan Books. Hell yeah. Um, and then I'm at www.haleypiper.com, um, on Twitter at Haley Piper Says and all those social media at Haley Piper Fights. Hell yeah. And everyone will have links to all that in the in the show description. So go read a book or all of them of Haley's. <laughs> <laughs> so, but listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with the Blob 1988? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, we do have a Patreon where we're releasing a lot of content. So go check that out. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.